0: You're listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey everybody, welcome to Humanize Me. I am Bart Campolo and this is my podcast. Which means that if something goes wrong on this podcast... It's my mistake, which means it's my fault. And the truth is that this, this is a special episode of Humanize Me because something has gone wrong. Something has gone very wrong, and this episode is kind of my attempt to do my best to fix it. Now listen, if you, if you listen to this show a lot, you know that I'm convinced that this life is the only one that we have. And that my response to the reality of human finitude is to encourage people to make the most of this life by building loving relationships and by doing work that makes things better for other people and by cultivating a sense of gratitude for the wonders of this universe and for the privilege of consciousness that enables us to appreciate them. Um, you know, like, and, and this is not, I'm not just pulling this out of my ear. Like there's tons of data to suggest that the people that flourish the most and that die the happiest, that feel the best about the way they invested their lives are people that do those things. And, you know, and the truth is like, i I'm also convinced that no matter how committed any of us are to those values, we're not that likely to live them out unless we surround ourselves with other people that share those values and that encourage them, that that we humans are a tribal species and therefore if we want to pursue goodness, our best shot is to pursue it in a collective way. And that's why I'm always trying to encourage secular community builders, people that are bringing people together, whether it's in their living room or in some much more organized way to pursue goodness together. And, uh, And that's where the problem comes in. Is because it has recently come to my attention that over the past few months, I've actually been discouraging some of the most wonderful community builders out there. And and it makes me so sad. And I'm so, I'm so sorry for that. You know, and you say, well, what do you mean? Well, Well, I mean, there are people that are working on amazingly cool projects, the Sunday assembly people. Started out in London, now they're all over the world creating these, these communities of secular people pursuing goodness. And the, the Oasis people that started out in Houston and then in Kansas City, and now they're all over the place creating communities. And, and the Ethical Societies, which have been around longer than any of us. And the Unitarian Universalist churches, which are just full of the nicest people in the world. And uh, I'm a huge fan of all those communities. But I I don't think I've sounded like one recently. I've been, you know, I've had some interviews where people have asked me questions about that stuff, or I've been in conversations with individual leaders. And, and I I, kind of think I'm coming off like a jerk. Like a guy who thinks I know better than everybody. And, and, and boy, nothing could be farther than the truth. In a way, this, kind of reminds me of my relationship with my wife, Marty, who is among my very favorite artists. Marty paints abstract expressionist stuff and her paintings hang all over the country. And, and in, in fact, they hang all over our walls as well because I love them. I mean, other people love them and they buy them and she shows them and that's great. But I, I don't know that there's anybody in the world that loves her painting more than paintings more than me but in the beginning of her career 20 years ago i was probably the worst discourager of her painting totally inadvertently what would happen would be she would paint something she'd be working on a piece and a lot of times artists want to get somebody else's eyes on it they say like you know tell me what you see and so she would call me in and say what do you think of this and i would look at it and then very quickly i would go like "Ooh, up there in the right corner i i don't think that I don't think that part works at all or I would go like that line yeah I don't think that line belongs in this painting that it, 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 it seems like it's from another work seems, seems like that, that doesn't fit and you know it would be so discouraging to her and sometimes she would get angry sometimes she would just be like quiet and they're going like, what, what? No, I mean, I think it's a really good painting. But the problem is, is I set it all in the wrong order. I didn't set it up right. And what it took me a while to learn is, is that people are, when they create something, when they make something, there's a vulnerability there. And so you got to be sensitive. And what I learned was, is that what made sense was to first, when she would show me something, to first point out and celebrate everything I loved, everything I admired about it. Say, boy, that's great. I love what's happening there. And the colors are this. And then, and only then, to move over to the stuff that, and, and even when I moved over to the other stuff, not to, not to pronounce, like, what do I know? Not to say that's wrong, or that doesn't belong there, or that's stupid, but rather to say, ask questions. So like, do you think that that piece up there might not work? Do, do you feel like that line, I feel like that line might not be, fit in here. What do you think? And to ask questions about the parts that I thought could be improved. You know, and, and above all, to recognize that in the whole process, like that the value of any work of art is essentially subjective. so that you know sometimes she would say she, I would point out something was wrong and she'd go, like, actually, that's my favorite part of the painting. And you're right, it doesn't fit in with the whole rest of it. So I'm going to change everything else to fit that part. That sometimes it, it, it's a very subjective thing. And the truth of the matter is it's the same with fellowship. It's the same with with a party or or, or, or a meeting. Or a group of friends getting together. One person's like, "That was the best party ever." Is another person's, "Man, get me out of here fast." That and that different things work for different people. And and the thing is, I'm so passionate about getting people together that I I want to talk shop with anybody who's doing it. And so if somebody shows me something, but I, I I got stuff to say. What what about this? I saw something over here. But but my problem is is that I think recently instead of starting out by celebrating all the stuff I love, I've just gone right to the negative. I, I, and instead of asking questions, I've made statements. And so like, when I think about it, like I have spoken at Sunday assemblies. I spoke at their, Nash, their, at their gathering once and then I, once they let me do a thing in LA and I got to talk at that and I love the Sunday assembly. The energy there is amazing and the sense of humor and the, uh, the quality of the presentations. I mean, it's very exciting stuff. Now, 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 the truth is, do I? They, they meet every month. And one of my questions is, gosh, does it make sense to meet every month? How can you build a fellowship if people don't see each other often enough? That's a good question. I'm allowed to ask that question. That's a question of somebody who thinks Sunday Assembly is amazing. How do we make it better? And they may come back to me, as they have. Some different leaders have come back to me and said, look, man, we're committed to working with just volunteer leadership. And it's too much work to put something together every week. So, like, we can sustain longer if we go monthly. And not everybody wants to come every week anyway. And then I, go, I come back and I can have another conversation about, like, well, I think it needs to be there every week, even if nobody comes every week. And maybe you should have somebody professional just to help set the stage. Uh, you know, maybe there's another way to do it. And that's a legitimate conversation, but not when you start out and going, like, oh, Sunday, somebody does it wrong. Same with Oasis. I mean, Oasis meets every week, which I think is amazing. But they have different speakers every week. They have it's like it's like a, almost like a guest, a different guest every week. And I was talking with my friend John about that, and I was saying like, you know, I think that they need to have some somebody that's consistent. Maybe every couple of weeks, somebody that's, that actually knows the the community and that can speak not from their external experience, but can speak to the concerns of this particular community. From from week to week and month to month to kind of pastorally guide it, and 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 it kind of be in conversation and this legit again a legitimate question: Might it work better if we did it this way? But I think I've come off like ah, that'll never work. Same with the Unitarian Universalist Church. I mean, they've been around forever. What like I've been around for a minute. They've been around for for like a hundred years. And so yeah, they include every narrative and the young people I work with are not cool with that. Like they want to be part of a group where everybody has a shared understanding of how the universe works and how we understand it, like a scientific understanding. And then they move from there to like what are the implications of that? Well, great. Maybe my students aren't the ones who are the future of the Unitarian Universalist Church, but maybe there's a bunch of other students that are and that's their party. And that inclusivity, that interfaith thing really works for them. So like, it's legitimate for me to ask the question, but it doesn't mean I know what I'm talking about. Or it doesn't mean that everybody has to do the same thing. Same with the ethical societies. They've been around a long time. Now, to me, I want to say, oh, I think if you, the ethical society, you guys are amazing, but like the name, I think it's throwing people off. Maybe we should call it something different. And they're like, hey, we got a lot of history in this name. We we got a lot of tradition in this name. And, and, and we can have a conversation like two helicopter pilots talking shop over, you know, what's the best configuration of the blades for landing. But there's an understanding. Look, we both love helicopters. And we're trying to help make each other better pilots. And, that, and so I think that in my passion for secular community building, I have not always communicated that I'm a huge fan of all these people's work. And, and you know, some, one of the things I, I guess, even in this podcast, like I like it when people write me a letter and say, that was a great podcast or I love the podcast. But the letters that are doing me the most good are when people push back. When people say, "Look, I don't think that's right," I had I had a woman write to me, and she said, "Listen, your whole take on Lindy West made sense, but then you switched over to this, and I think your whole feminism needs a critique." And and we had a big, friendly argument, and she made me better, and I I I, I and and that's the thing. That's the beautiful thing about being secular humanists who aren't tied to a dogma, who aren't tied to some ancient book. Like, that in a sense like we go like yeah this is our best explanation of what's happening you're like well what if what if we discover that actually it was frogs um burping that created the big bang And go, like oh i didn't know that i'll change my mind like you show me the data you show me the evidence that's the beauty of science is we just you if, if you find out you're wrong you just change your mind and you celebrate facts are not heresy in our world and so I think it's really important if we're going to build this whole sort of collective goodness movement that if somebody makes a mistake, we don't just write them off and say, well, hey, turns out he's a jerk. I'm not ever talking to him again. But rather we confront that person directly and say, listen, you really angered me or you really hurt my feelings or I just think you're flat wrong on this. And then maybe you change that person's mind. Or maybe you respectfully disagree, but at least you can see like, oh, okay. Or maybe you just figure out like there are different ways of doing things. And like a jazz band doesn't need to follow all the same rules as a polka band. And they can sometimes play together and sometimes do things differently. And they can sort of celebrate each other's musical excellence without having to kind of homogenize it into this is the one right way. And so I think we got to get good at confronting each other. And I think we've got to get good at changing our minds when we're wrong instead of defending stupid stuff. And I, I think maybe, and what I'm trying to do today is I think we got to get good at apologizing. And there are some really wonderful people in those movements who I have a feeling that if they overheard these conversations that I've been having with people or just heard my podcast, they might go like, that kind of hurts my feelings. Like I'm trying really hard over here. We're trying really hard over there to do a good thing. And we thought you were a friend. We thought you were behind us. And boy, the the snippet that we overheard makes us feel like you think we're stupid. And boy, I gotta tell you, those movements, the people in Tucson, the humanists in, in Phoenix, I don't think any, far from stupid, I sing your praises. I send people in your cities to visit you and to become part of your communities because I know that they need to be part of something and I think all those communities are wonderful. And so, yeah, gosh, I, I just I just wanna be apologizing right now and saying, if I, not if, I, I know for a fact that I've hurt some people's feelings and I'm really sorry about it. And I was wrong to not tell the whole story. And I really hope that those folks will forgive me. Um, because the truth of the matter is is that we're human beings and we're never going to stop being human beings. And that means we're, whenever you get a bunch of us together, there's going to be conflict. And there's, I'm not, I'm not a utopian. I don't believe that like we'll eventually like reach kind of this wonderful unity. I'm not, you know, I'm not a Rob Bell, like the universe is in our favor or a Martin Luther King, like it bends towards justice. I don't think the universe gives a flying fork about any of it. And I don't think it's bending in any particular direction. But I think that between us, we can work in a, in a particular direction. And I I think that the mark of a community is not, all communities have conflict. All human beings make mistakes. The mark of a good community is not that it doesn't have conflict, but that it knows how to resolve that conflict in a positive way. Sometimes people end up even being closer together when they've worked something through, and that's what I'm hoping will be the case here. You know, Karl Popper, the great political theorist, said that that, that a lot of our, our, our concerns about government are about how to pick the right leaders and he said, really, the, the best government is not the one that picks the, the right, the best leaders. We'll always mess up at that because people will always fool us or surprise us or change. He said, the real mark of a good government is how quickly and seamlessly it gets rid of bad leaders. And I think that, that's the mark of any of us, how quickly and seamlessly we get a bit of bad ideas. And I think in a community, it's how quickly and seamlessly we resolve conflict and and we forgive each other and we sort of pick up the reins and get back to the business of building loving relationships and doing good for other people and cultivating a sense of wonder, um, and and gratitude. So, uh, so this is very human Bart Campolo saying, you want to humanize me? Yeah. Tell me when I'm wrong and encourage me to change my mind and forgive me when my wrongness hurts your feelings. um, because I'm going to need all of that. And you know what? In five minutes, so will you. All right. So listen, if you got something to tell me, bartcampola.org is the place. you can. It, it, all the stuff is there, and, and including the contact me thing, which goes right to me. No mediation. Like I said, this is my podcast. When I make a mistake, it's my fault. And when you send an email, it comes right to me. And I hope you do. And I'll catch you next time with some more good stuff. In the meantime... I'm sorry, I don't have an Ingersoll quote for you today. This was a special episode. I didn't, I didn't do the research. I, I do have a quote, but you're going to immediately figure out that it's incredibly self-serving, And I just you know like I'm just going to live with that. It's from uh, Paul Bose, and it's a simple little quote. It says, "Forgiveness does not change the past, but it does enlarge the future." So, what can I say? Here's hoping. See you next time. For more information about the work of Bart Campolo, please visit bartcampolo.org.